we have been following an interesting new conversation that's happening in America today, maybe in part in anticipation of 2018, but maybe more in part uh, in anticipation of 2020. So we had a fellow on uh, a couple of weeks ago who is a businessman from New York. He has already announced that he's running for president uh, in 2020. His name is Andrew Yang. And while Andrew Yang was talking uh, about giving a guarantee to everyone, it wasn't about a guaranteed income, but he did want to offer everyone uh, approximately uh, $1,000, and that that $1,000 is what he referred to as the freedom dividend. That's what he talked about. And he was going to give this $1,000 to every single person, whether you're a multi-gazillionaire, down to the poorest person. But here's what was so interesting about his freedom dividend, and I recommend that you sort of check out Andrew Yang. You got the $1,000 freedom dividend, but if you were really poor, you had to choose between your food stamps and your Medicaid or the $1,000 freedom dividend. And I was thinking, wait a minute, Andrew. So those guys that got the huge tax cuts, the guys that basically, you know, almost use our revenue source as an enhancer for making more money, you're going to give them the $1,000, but some poor schlub at the bottom who gets food stamps, they're not going to get the freedom. Yeah, who can't pay their rent. Who can't pay their rent by the freedom dividend. It was just sort of peculiar. But in light of that, I saw an interesting article, everyone, and the article was about something called the Federal Job Guarantee. And let me just read you a nugget from his, a nugget from his article, and then I'll introduce our guest. The Federal Job Guarantee is not just better than a universal basic income, and this is even more than the freedom dividend, but actually giving everyone a certain amount of money in which, to, in fact, I guess to exist on. He writes, it's the only good option. The universal basic income is a Trojan horse for the reduction and elimination of wages and safety net programs for the powerless. In other words, according to our first guest, Jeff Epstein, that the UBI, the universal basic income, is sinister. So let me welcome to the program Jeff Epstein. He's an independent and progressive journalist and a podcaster with Citizens Media TV and uh, was a finalist with Brand New Congress. And he was endorsed by Bernie Sanders during the 2016 Democratic primary. He endorsed Bernie and was a pledged delegate. So welcome to the program, Jeff. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Ernie. I'm really glad. I'm really glad to be talking to you. Well, you know, so as I was getting ready for our interview, one of our absolute favorite people on the planet, and I'm sure you know him well, David Dayen, just wrote a piece, I believe it was at The Intercept, uh, about this whole concept of uh, this federal job guarantee. And the two of you are singing off the same page. I just want to let you know. But what David, oh, I'm glad to hear. I didn't know about that. Oh, one. yeah. It, it just, he just wrote it like, like two days ago, three days ago. Grab the article. But what I thought was interesting is you, one of the things you said to me when we were uh, negotiating your coming on was that don't ask me whether we can afford it. Well, you know what he did? He took, he took a look at the cost, and he showed that not only could we afford it, we're already, you know, basically, you know what, with the money, and we're already spending the money by giving it to private contractors and giving it to all these perks that we're giving into private industry, that so much of the cost would actually not be an additional cost. It'll actually be using the money in a more successful and uh, focused way. So you, Well, I would say, I, I would say that, 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 is not, that is not even necessary, that because the cost of unemployment and all of its consequences yeah. to society, not to the federal government, that's different, but to society, the cost of unemployment and incarceration and all and uh, malnutrition and all this is way more expensive 
yeah. than the federal job guarantee would be. So describe for my audience what what you mean by the federal job guarantee, because a lot of people are a little bit nervous. This feels a little bit like, well, you know, you can't get your welfare benefits unless you, you know, show that you're looking for work or have a job. What do you mean by the federal job guarantee? And how do you envision this would happen? Because there are a number of people who can't physically work for a number of reasons, and I don't want them to be harmed because we've laid this foundation out. Well, they can't physically work. That doesn't mean that they can't work. They can't work a computer. They can't work a phone. They can't work a garden. I mean, you know, limited senses. Physically work is very different. Um, There are many things that people can do despite disabilities. Um, But a federal job guarantee is, you know, I just learned today, um, you know, I'm a student of an economist. I'm not an economist by any means. But I just learned today that the federal job guarantee creates jobs for people who want them. It does, not, it does not require anyone to get a job. And it is a floor that is set that now private industry has to compete against. So in other words, if someone's being, mal- if someone's being badly treated or, war- or badly paid or they have an incredibly long Even commute, avenue. Now, they have, now they have power to be able to stand up to their bosses and say, listen, I know I'm making a lot of money, but I don't need this money. This, this job is making you a profit. This is not a satisfying job for me. I could go to the federal job guarantee, and I can get a job that maybe doesn't pay me as much, but it is a living wage with living wage benefits, and it's local because all federal job guarantee is going to be local. Right. Um, so it, it really empowers people. But the most interesting thing that I just happened to learn, which is the federal job guarantee creates jobs that are public goods. So they're not necessarily profitable. So the private industry jobs are profitable. Perfect. But federal job guarantee jobs are not necessarily profitable, but they're public goods. So they have different kinds of satisfaction. Okay, so, um, d- so describe, another... describe what you mean by public good as opposed to sort of a private benefit, because I think this is really important. We were talking just before you came on the air, Jeffrey, and one of the things that we liked about the federal job guarantee is that when you look at a lot of people that enlist in the U.S. military, one of the reasons why they enlist is that they're looking for a job. They're looking for skills. They're looking for something that will provide them with health benefits and maybe, you know, a family leave. And they see this is really their only option or their vehicle out. This would give people a whole series of choices and they wouldn't have to leave their community. They wouldn't have to leave their family. They could actually not not only get a job, but they could begin to acquire skills because the federal job guarantee, I'm not sure what you mean by it, but you might be able to have choices. And those choices would reflect both your interests and your passion. Well, you just said the military. So what you, the situation you just said is skills and training, and, but also survival. So it's sort of a mix of satisfaction, personal satisfaction and dignity, but also survival. So the military example you just gave. And the federal job guarantee would not just compete with private industry. It would also compete with the military. So right. they would need to up their game as far as better wages and treatment and so on. But as far as what jobs or would be public good, if you go, if you go to your, next, if your town's next public meeting, and you, at the public comment section, you went up and you said, if money was not an object, what would you do that would benefit your citizens? And the list would be endless. It would be hours long. And those are the things that are not profitable, such as cleaning up a park, cleaning up walking trails, uh, planting things in parks, uh, fixing up school buildings, um, assisting teachers, assisting librarians. These are things that are public goods, not necessarily profitable, but that people wish that they could do for their community. So these are things that are clearly not going to increase profit for private industry, 
but these are clearly things that are going to benefit the citizens of our community. Well, and, and but there is also a very positive economic aspect to this. And you mentioned about the fact that there are real financial uh, problems when people are unemployed. And it's not just a problem for the unemployed. It's the problem for their family. It's the problem for their society. It's the problem for their community. Once you start giving people this opportunity to make a choice about a federal job guarantee that pays a decent wage and includes things that everyone needs, which is access to a doctor when they're sick, you know, and the idea of parental leave when they have a child, to be able to spend that initial time, be be they a mother or a father, to actually take care of that child, what you then get is money in the system. That's money that now gets used for the private economy. I'm going to rent an apartment. I'm going to go to your grocery store. I'm going to buy a, you know, an item of clothing. That money actually turns out to be a benefit for the private sector. We did a, uh, I, I did a story many, many years ago that came out of the University of Maine, Jeffrey, and it was looking at public infrastructure dollars and why everybody, not only are we have a yawning gap in our needs for infrastructure, but what they showed was for every $1 you spent in public infrastructure, you generated 6 to $7 in the private marketplace. I mean, what does that tell you? Imagine what a federal job guarantee could do. You're actually right. It is about a public good, but that public good would actually have also a private benefit. Absolutely. It actually supplements the private industry. It does. It goes beyond what is profitable, so therefore it supplements what the private industry is willing to do for society. Um, yet, so the so the federal job guarantee sets a floor. I want. It's important to understand that the federal job guarantee is not something that you're going to go to and you're going to keep getting raises. You're going to keep getting promotions. That's not the point. The federal job guarantee does not compete with private industry as a whole. It only competes with private industry and the military. The parts of it that are corrupt the parts of it that are unfair, the parts of it that do not pay a living wage, the parts of it that are, you know, abusive and so on. It does not compete with private industry as a whole. It is meant to only set the minimum of what society decides are basic human rights. And so maybe we'll see waitresses and waiters and Walmart employees and so on leave unless Walmart and McDonald's and so on up their game very quickly. And it's like, maybe we should phase in federal job guarantee to be considerate, but how considerate do we want to be to those who treat workers badly? So well, it's, you're absolutely it's, right, Jeffrey. But, and, and the other thing is, there's a, I, I always make analogies. There's this thing that's called reading recovery. And reading recovery was something that you saw in elementary schools. And what they did was they took the bottom 20% of readers, and they didn't have to be labeled or special ed. They just took the weakest readers, and they invested and invested and invested and helped them and helped them. And all of a sudden, the bottom 20% started moving up. And they weren't at the bottom anymore. They moved up to the 30%, to the 40%. And they kept doing it because they realized that they kept moving the bottom up. Everybody would succeed. And what I see with your federal job guarantee is the exact same thing. You are literally moving everyone up by setting that remarkable floor that includes the ethic of work, that includes the ethic of skills, that includes the ethic of sense of self-satisfaction. You're not stuck there, but you can start there. You, well, you certainly, if you, if you enjoy it, there's no reason you shouldn't stay there. Oh, of course. But, yes, it is the, sort of the overall point is to, is to train people and to get people ready for higher-paying jobs. But there's nothing wrong with staying there if it's satisfying. But I'm actually sitting outside of a school where I'm substitute teaching. My wife is a second-grade teacher. And to, I know that teachers would love to have more assistance, and librarians would love to have more assistance, and coaches would love to have more assistance, and hospice workers. Right. would love right. to have more assistance, right. and that is not necessarily profitable. And, and the children that you just mentioned about the reading, you know, lower yeah. readers, right. would a private corporation 
I mean, the fact that they're not doing it, I think, answers the question. Yeah. A private corporation is not going to say, oh, that can make me some money. Exactly. So I'm going to go in and help the lowest readers. It's not going to happen. Well, and but the, you're right. What yeah. you just said is it, it generally actually does help if you put that effort in. And, and let me ask a question about the federal job guarantee. Is it is there an age limit? Now, the reason I ask this question is, so you, you go into your local grocery store and you see a lot of seniors bagging. And the reason why they're bagging is that their Social Security check doesn't cover their expenses. Their, whatever they got in the way of a pension, because most of the defined pension plans have disappeared, you know, and some 401ks look more like 101ks. So you actually see a lot of seniors who they, too, would love to have the idea of a federal job guarantee. The question is, do you make this Social Security, Medicare specific so at that point in time the guarantee doesn't apply to you, or recognizing that some people at age 65 have the ability to work to their 95, and they shouldn't then be restricted just because they turn that sort of interesting age. I don't see why anyone should be restricted at all. Someone can handle the work. If someone wants to do the work, if it's a public good as decided by local uh, federal job guarantee employment offices, then I don't see any reason why you shouldn't work until you keel over. Um, but it's really important. It's a really important distinction to comparing federal job guarantee and UBI is that UBI, by its nature, by its, by its original design, by Milton Friedman, who's the father of neoliberalism and the father of UBI, is that UBI is a basic, uh, uh, a universal basic income. So it sort of doesn't make sense to have a pilot program. So universal basic income is like killing a fly with a nuclear bomb. That's how I inter- interpret it. Because it does not focus on the unemployed. It focuses on everyone from billionaires down to the poorest people. Right. A federal job guarantee only focuses on the unemployed. But another important aspect is is that the federal job guarantee is an enormous step to making things more equitable in power and in money, uh, you know, income inequality. But it, it is not the solution to everything. It does not fix hunger. It does not fix a lot of the other corruption, the money in politics, um, you know, the income inequality, the deeper kinds of pro- uh, problems that we have. It is a big step. So therefore, we still need these Social Security and oh, yeah, SNAP and, and these programs. But in UBI, if it's a universal basic income, Milton Friedman himself said that a universal basic income is better than all of these safety net programs, that they can all be replaced. So by definition, by definition, UBI is designed to remove all these safety net programs. Federal job guarantee is not. And the problem is, the real, the, what, what I call sinister, is that if a future Congress that's not friendly removes UBI after all of these safety net programs have been removed and all, there's no wage, no wage laws and so on, that's not a good situation. Well, and, and let me but just say, federal, this is also America. And, and in America, there is this idea of the work ethic. There is the idea of valuing work. Look what they do with people who are on food stamps or on Medicare or whatever. I mean, and Medicaid. I mean, people are constantly sort of rolling their eyes. Oh, they don't want to work or whatever. And I'm thinking, really, find a job. You know, think about people coming out of prison. The first thing they have is an inability to find a job, you know, because they have a prison record. This kind of, you know, this idea of the federal job guarantee means, guess what? If you have a record, you still get to work. I mean, people just don't get the liabilities that so many people experience that make getting that job almost impossible. Well, it it empowers people. It empowers ex-offenders. They can say they don't have to deal with being treated badly or being treated less. 
because they can say, oh, well, I, I can get people who aren't ex-offenders. You know, you have to deal with my harassment or my low wage or whatever it is. Right. They don't have to deal with that anymore. They can say, well, I can get a better job. Right. And you just made a great point. I have a real problem with all of these very powerful people and these billionaires saying that UBI, universal basic income, is the best solution for the unemployed and for the poor and for disadvantaged. I haven't heard any disadvantaged and unemployed and poor people saying that yeah. this is what I want, this is what I believe is best for yeah. me. I don't see any studies of asking the unemployed, asking uh, right. the poor, asking the disadvantaged, what is best? Do you want a job or yes. do you just want money so you can, you know, go on vacation or whatever you feel is best, volunteer? No one asks them. And in fact, I just saw a video a couple of days ago where they're have some pilot program for UBI in Canada, and they were asking people, what would you do with this money? And of course, they're so thankful, and they could do this, and they could do that. But no one asks, but is this the best solution? Is there a better solution? Do you really want a job? Right. And let me just say something about the value of work. And the value of work is, one, there's a sense of satisfaction. The value of work is there's a socialization aspect to work. And we can't deny that because that's so important. The fact that you get a check is not how you live a life. How you live a life is you interact with people. How you live a life is to walk away and say, and look what I've done. I mean, I'm working for nothing right now. I wouldn't give it up for the world. You know, I could sit home and eat bonbons or I could sit here and do this kind of work. You know what? There is incredible value to work. And on that note, Jeffrey Epstein, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. And we'll monitor the conversation because it's going on on this radio station, if nothing else. Thank you. You're welcome. Ciao. Bye-bye. Jeff Epstein runs something called Citizens Media TV. Now we have a little labor history. Next for The Attitude with Arnie Arneson and co-host Susan Bruce. I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two on 